0: Sonora Therapeutics is developing new anti infectives using its Cloudbreak platform to develop antiviral conjugates that both directly kill pathogens and also direct a patient's immune cells to attack and eliminate them. The company is advancing its first therapy developed through the platform to the clinic, CB012, an experimental therapy that's being developed to both treat and prevent flu infections. We spoke to Jeff Stein, CEO of SIDARA, about the therapy, how it works, and the need the company is trying to address.
1: Jeff, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. P- pleasure to uh, speak with you again.
0: We're going to talk about influenza, SIDARA, and, and your efforts to develop an experimental therapy as both a treatment and a prophylactic against flu Perhaps we can start with the opportunity I think most people dismiss flu as a fairly benign seasonal illness, but from a public health point of view it it does have significant consequences. How big a problem does it represent
1: well it, it's an enormous problem uh, when you consider that um you know last year some eighty thousand People in the U.S. died of influenza, Uh, 650,000 people globally died of influenza. Uh, It is an enormous problem. Um, The CDC recommends that every individual in the U.S. over the age of six months should be vaccinated for influenza. Unfortunately, fewer than 40% get vaccinated, and even those that do get vaccinated, uh, Up to around 40% are responding to the vaccine. So what that means is that around 250 million people in the U.S. alone um, are vulnerable. Uh, They are unprotected against influenza. So that's a big number. So this year, the number is running a little bit smaller, uh, probably tracking towards about um, 60,000 deaths in the U.S., but that is a very big problem, and especially what we call the vulnerable population, meaning the young, uh, the elderly, and those that are immune compromised or the the vulnerable patients, which comprise about 25% of the U.S. population.
0: Every year there's a a new flu vaccine. How effective are these generally?
1: Uh, Not very effective Um, for a couple of reasons. Number one is the long manufacturing process. Uh, every year, uh, the CDC is in Asia, uh, your, you know, virus hunters are there trying to make predictions of which influenza strains are going to be a problem in the U.S. when the flu season hits. Uh, so they're making a guess, and then you have this relatively cumbersome and antiquated system of growing, you know, the virus and generating the antigens in chicken eggs. And that's a six month process. And during that six month manufacturing process, that influenza virus can mutate. It can change so that it, uh, can avoid the vaccines. And consequently, it's, um, you know, the vaccines on an annual basis, um, are effective in about 25 to 50% of the people, averaging around 40% of the individuals who get the vaccine. And this, most current year, even though it is uh, a milder uh, influenza strain than the previous year, uh, the season is longer, and so it's, it's, as it turns out, uh, to be fully protected for the flu uh, for the entire flu season, uh, it looks like you need to have two vaccinations, and so that's really a problem because most people find it a challenge to get even a single vaccination.
0: There are drugs available to treat flu. These have to be administered soon after onset of symptoms to be effective. There are neuraminidase inhibitors, and last year the FDA approved uh, an endonuclease inhibitor. How do these drugs work, and how good a job do they do?
1: Uh, So, Tamiflu is the neuraminidase inhibitor that is most prevalently in use. And the the newer drug, uh, the endonuclease inhibitor, is a drug called Zofluza, which is uh, being uh, marketed by Roche Pharmaceuticals. Uh, Both of these drugs can work uh, if administered shortly after the appearance of flu uh, flu symptoms. Uh, In general, they have to be administered within 24 to 48 hours of the first appearance of of the flu. And that can be a challenge because, you know, I think everyone who has experienced the flu knows that you don't really know what it is for the first 24 hours. And then when it hits, you have to get yourself to a doctor. And most people who receive that drug uh, or those drugs uh, get it outside of that window where they no longer can be very effective.
0: When you were last on the show, you discussed SIDAR's anti-infective immunotherapy platform, Cloudbreak. Can you remind people what it is and how it works?
1: Sure. I think it's uh, easier to describe what it is not. So it is not a traditional vaccine. Uh, it is not a antiviral drug per se, like zofluza or tamiflu, and it's not a monoclonal antibody. So you got to keep that in mind, because that's the, probably the biggest challenge in in describing uh, this program. Uh, we call it an AVC for an antiviral conjugate. So it's a bispecific, meaning there are two parts to the molecule. Uh, the, the front end of the molecule is a novel antiviral drug that binds to and can independently rapidly kill the virus. The back end is a fragment of a human antibody called the FC domain, and that engages an immune response. And so you get a combined effect of a very potent, fast-acting antiviral drug combined with a local amplification of the immune system right on the virus. And that combination is extremely potent. And importantly, uh, this drug can be uh, administered uh, potentially once a flu season. We have to demonstrate that uh, in the clinic, obviously. But based on the data we have to date in animal models, uh, we believe that this drug can be administered as a small subcutaneous injection uh, once the flu season. So it can be uh, administered as a prophylactic, especially in vulnerable patients, or it could be administered directly as a very potent, fast-acting drug with the potential to expand that treatment window beyond the 24 to 48 hours that is the limitation of currently available antivirals
0: is the expectation is that this would have potential against all strains of flu?
1: Yeah, that's an important distinction. Uh, The uh, vaccines that are developed on an annual basis for seasonal flu uh, are generally active only against influenza A, have no activity against influenza B strains, Uh, and the same thing with the currently available drugs. Uh, and because of that limitation, um, there, you know, the current activity in uh, influenza research has been, uh, has been on com- co- combining uh, an antiviral with, say, a monoclonal antibody against influenza B in order to get broader coverage. Um, our AVC molecules don't have to do that because they're actually a combination in the single molecule and they're broadly active against influenza A and influenza B, basically all the seasonal as well as the pandemic strains of influenza.
0: As a treatment, does its efficacy depend on how soon after symptoms arise it's administered, or can this work at any time?
1: Well, based on the animal data that we have to date, uh, it suggests that we can expand that treatment window from that 24 to 48 hour uh, limit that the existing antivirals have up to 72 hours. So that's an important expansion of the current treatment window, and it should enable uh, more patients to be effectively treated. Since
0: it has this ability to confer a long-acting protection against infection, could it be used as an alternative to vaccines? And if so, would it represent some sort of pan flu vaccine?
1: Well, we believe that it certainly could be administered like that. Uh, we would uh, test it on top of existing vaccines in the clinic uh, and offer it as something that could uh, bolster the efficacy uh, of existing vaccines. Uh, we certainly don't want to recommend that people don't get a vaccine because that is by far the cheapest and fastest way to get protected against the flu, uh, despite the limitations of an, uh, current vaccines, we would suggest that this is something that in the vulnerable patient population, uh, the, you know, the young, the elderly, the immune compromised, that it would make a lot of sense to put this on top of a vaccine.
0: And is that the long-term strategy, given how relatively inexpensive flu vaccines are, that this would be targeted at specific subpopulations for use?
1: That's right. If you speak with physicians who treat hospitalized patients, they simply do not have any alternatives. They know that if you have a debilitated immune system, such as those vulnerable patient populations I mentioned, um, well, you don't respond to vaccines. You need a active, robust immune system in order for vaccines to be effective. And similarly... Uh, you have these limitations of the existing drugs. And so this is where you get the highest mortality rate is in these vulnerable patient populations, and they simply have no tools to address that. You,
0: I believe, indicated this is an injectable drug. How is it administered, and and how often does someone have to be exposed to it?
1: Well, it can... From our animal testing, uh, it appears that we can get very rapid exposure of the drug systemically uh, by either IV, uh, intramuscular, or subcutaneous injection. Uh, subcutaneous being very similar to how a, a flu vaccine is currently being administered. It is not orally available. It's a large molecule, uh, but we get very rapid exposure by the other three routes of administration. So it's very similar to what people would be accustomed to in getting a flu vaccine. And with respect to the frequency, uh, again, our goal is to have this uh, be uh, effective once per flu season.
0: And what do we know about the experimental drug from preclinical tests to date as far as its safety and efficacy?
1: Well, uh, you know, it's a, it's a really important question. Those of us who have been involved in the program have never experienced a discovery and development program like this. Typically, when you're in this stage of development, you bump up against certain limitations of efficacy, safety, or pharmacokinetics, which drives you in a certain direction, for example. Uh, well, it's not effective against influenza B, so we're gonna focus on influenza A. It doesn't have the pharmacokinetics that is, will enable once a flu season, so it's gonna be administered daily, and so forth. Um, in this program, we haven't run into any of those limitations so up to the maximum dose tested we have seen no signs of toxicity uh, at the lowest doses tested we see very robust potency and at single doses this this drug provides very long term protection regardless of the route of administration so perhaps the biggest challenge uh in you know the future clinical development is where do we take it Uh, We've had some of the key opinion leaders in the U.S. uh, review the data, and we pretty much get kind of a a split uh, opinion depending on the uh, area of expertise. So you you have a hospitalist who say, well, you have to develop this uh, as a treatment in my vulnerable patients, and you have the uh, vaccine experts who say, well, no, this has to be developed as a prophylactic. So it's a very high-grade challenge to have, Uh, But, uh, you know, we're we're, uh, involving some of the leading experts in the U.S. and, and in fact, globally to to help guide us through that uh, clinical development process.
0: Well, what what does the potential due usage of the, the drug say about the clinical development path forward?
1: Well, probably the strongest opinion and the biggest unmet need is for prophylaxis in the vulnerable patient population. Uh, those, you know, those three cohorts that I mentioned, the young, the elderly, uh, and the immune compromised. And that, that latter, uh, category of patients is growing. You know, these are patients with autoimmune disease. Uh, you're seeing a proliferation of novel, uh, autoimmune drugs. And what, the way those work is that they suppress the immune system. And any individual who has a suppressed immune system uh, are less responsive to vaccines and are highly vulnerable to influenza. And when they get influenza, it tends to be much more severe. So uh, prophylaxis in that focused patient population, which, you know, I say focus, it still represents about one quarter of the U.S. population, uh, is probably a direction that we will uh, seriously evaluate once we get into clinical testing.
0: If all goes well, when might you have the first readout of data from trials in in human subjects?
1: Well, the challenge with this type of molecule being completely new is in the manufacturing. So we would expect to file IND, institutional new drug application, to begin phase one testing at the end of next year.
0: Jeff Stein, CEO of Sedaro Therapeutics. Jeff, thanks so much for your time today.
1: Danny, thank you very much. It was a pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.